Letter forty three of Letters from Egypt by Lady Lucy Duff Gordon. Read for LibriVox.org into the public domain. To Sir Alexander Duff Gordon, Luxor, Sunday, June twelfth, eighteen sixty four. Dearest Alec, three letters I have received from you within a few days, for the post of the Said is not that of the Medes and Persians. I have had an abominable toothache, which quite floored me, and was aggravated by the Oriental custom, namely, that all the beau monde of Thebes would come and sit with me, and suggest remedies, and look into my mouth, and make quite a business of my tooth. Sheikh Yusuf laid two fingers on my cheek, and recited verses from the Koran, I regret to say with no effect, except that while his fingers touched me the pain ceased. I find he is celebrated for soothing headaches and other nervous pains, and I dare say is an unconscious mesmerizer. The other day our poor Maon was terrified by a communication from Ali Bey, Mutter of Kenna, to the effect that he had heard from Alexandria that someone had reported that the dead cattle had lain about the streets of Luxor, and that the place was pestilential. The British mind at once suggested a counter-statement, to be signed by the most respectable inhabitants. So the Cadi drew it up, and came to read it to me, and took my disposition and witnessed my signature, and the Maun went his way rejoicing, in that the words of the Englishwoman would utterly defeat Ali Bey. The truth was that the worthy Maun worked really hard, and superintended the horrible dead cattle business in person, which is some risk and very unpleasant. To dispose of three or four hundred dead oxen every day with a limited number of laborers is no trifle, and if a travelling Englishman smells one a mile off he calls us lazy Arabs. The beasts could not be buried deep enough, but all were carried a mile off from the village. I wish some of the dilettanti who stopped their noses at us in our trouble had to see or to do what I have seen and done. June 17th. We have had four or five days of such fearful heat with a simoom that I have been quite knocked up, and literally could not write. Besides, I sit in the dark all day, and am now writing so, and at night go out and sit in the veranda, and can't have candles because of the insects. I sleep outside till about six a.m., then go indoors till dark again. This fortnight is the hottest time. Today the drop falls into the Nile at its source, and it will now rise fast and cool the country. It has risen one cubit, and the water is green. Next month it will be blood-color. My cough has been a little troublesome again, I suppose from the simoom. The tooth does not ache now, alhamdulillah, for I rather dreaded the muezzin, barber, with his tongs, who is the sole dentist here. I was amused the other day by the entrance of my friend the maun, attended by Osman Effendi and his kawas and pipe-bearer, and bearing a saucer in his hand, wearing the look, half sheepish, half cocky, with which elderly gentlemen in all countries announce what he did, i.e., that his black slave-girl was three months with child and longed for olives, so the respectable magistrate had trotted all over the bazaar and to the Greek corn-dealers to buy some, but for no money were they to be had, so he hoped I might have some and forgive the request as I, of course, knew what a man must beg or even steal for a woman under those circumstances. I called Omar and said, I trust there are olives for the Honorable Harim of Salim Effendi. They are needed there. Omar instantly understood the case, and, praise be to God, a few are left, I was about to stuff the pigeons for dinner with them. How lucky I had not done it! And then we belabored Salim with compliments. Please, God, the child will be fortunate to thee, says I. 
Omar says, Sweeten my mouth, O Effendium, for did I not tell thee God would give thee good out of this affair when thou boughtest her? While we were thus rejoicing over the possible little mulatto, I thought how shocked a white Christian gentleman of our colonies would be at our conduct to make all this fuss about a black girl. He gave her sixpence, under the same circumstances, I mean. He'd see her damned first, and my heart warmed to the kind old Muslim sinner, as he took his saucer of olives and walked with them openly in his hand along the street. Now the black girl is free, and can only leave Selim's house by her own good will, and probably after a time she will marry and he will pay the expenses. A man can't sell his slave after he has made known that she is with child by him, and it would be considered unmanly to detain her if she should wish to go. The child will be added to the other eight who fill the Maun's quiver in Cairo, and will be exactly as well looked on, and have equal rights if he is as black as coal. A most quaint little half-black boy, a year and a half old, has taken a fancy to me, and comes and sits for hours gazing at me, and then dances to amuse me. He is Mohammed, our guard's son, by a jet-black slave of his, and is brown-black and very pretty. He wears a bit of iron wire in one ear, and iron rings around his ankles, and that is all, and when he comes up little Ahmed, who is his uncle, makes him fit to be seen, by emptying a pitcher of water over his head to rinse off the dust, in which, of course, he has been rolling, that is equivalent to a clean pinafore. You would want to buy little Said, I know. He is so pretty and so jolly. He dances and sings and jabbers baby Arabic, and then sits like a quaint little idol, cross-legged, quite still for hours. I am now writing in the kitchen, which is the coolest place where there is any light at all. Omar is diligently spelling words of six letters, with the wooden spoon in his hand and a cigarette in his mouth, and Sally is lying on her back on the floor. I won't describe our costume. It is now two months since I have worn stockings, and I think you would wonder at the fellaha who owns you. So deep and brown are my face, hands, and feet. One of the sailors in Arthur's boat said, See how the son of the Arabs loves her. He has kissed her so hotly that she can't go home among English people. June 18th. I went last night to look at Karnak by moonlight. The giant columns were overpowering. I never saw anything so solemn. On our way back we met the Sheikh el-Belid, who ordered me an escort of ten men home. Fancy me on my humble donkey, guarded most superfluously by ten tall fellows with, oh, such spears and venerable matchlocks. At Mustafa's house we found a party seated before the door and joined it. There was a tremendous Sheikh el-Islam from Tunis, a Maghrebi, seated on a carpet in state receiving homage. I don't think he liked the heretical woman at all. Even the Maon did not dare to be as politeful as usual to me, but took the seat above me, which I had respectfully left vacant next to the holy man. Mustafa was in a stew, afraid not to do the respectful to me, and fussing after the sheikh. Then Yusuf came fresh from the river, where he had bathed and prayed, and then you saw the real gentleman. He salaamed the great sheikh, who motioned to him to sit before him, but Yusuf quietly came round and sat below me on the mat, and leaned his elbow on my cushion, and made more demonstration of regard for me than ever, and when I went, came and helped me on my donkey. The holy sheikh went away to pray, and Mustafa hinted to Yusuf to go with him, but he only smiled and did not stir. He had prayed an hour before down at the Nile. 
It was as if a pure curate had devoted himself to a rank papist under the eye of a scowling Shaftesbury bishop. Then came Osman Effendi, a young Turk, with a poor devil accused in a distant village of stealing a letter with money in it addressed to a Greek moneylender. The discussion was quite general, the man, of course, denying it all. But the Nazir had sent word to beat him. Then Omar burst out, What a shame to beat a poor man on the mere word of a Greek moneylender who eats the people. The Nazir shouldn't help him. There was a Greek present who scowled at Omar, and the Turk gaped at him in horror. Yusuf said, with his quiet smile, My brother, thou art talking English, with a glance at me, and we all laughed, and I said, Many thanks for the compliment. All the village is in good spirits, the Nile is rising fast, and a star of most fortunate character has made its appearance, so Yusuf tells me, and pretends a good year and an end to our afflictions. I am much better to-day, and I think I too feel the rising Nile. It puts new life into all things. The last fortnight or three weeks have been very trying with the simoom and intense heat. I suppose I look better for the people here are forever praising God about my amended looks. I am too hot, and it is too dark to write more. End of letter 43. Read by Sibella Denton. All LibriVox files are in the public domain. For more information, please visit LibriVox.org.